Hello everybody! Yes, this is Z, the episode editor for the main show, coming at you. I'm not here to tell you about the audio quality on this one. It's it's pretty pretty good, you know, I, I do what I can with what I've got. But I am here to say that this episode involves discussion of sexuality and uh, that kind of thing. So if that's something you'd rather not hear about... You know, you might want to give this one a pass. Or if you listen to this show with people who you might think aren't interested or know aren't interested, you might just want to keep this one to yourself. Anyway, that said, thanks for listening, and please do enjoy the show. In an episode of the podcast that has no peak, no fall, and no meaning, we're going to try and talk about fans of Boys Love. and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about fans of Boys Love, manga and anime. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to or afraid of the friend fiction that's going to come up as a result of the podcast, but as long as it's consensual, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see where it all goes. I, for one, am super excited. <laughs> and Nick Z. When you're a boy, other boys check you out. What? That's it. You just that's just that's, just the one line. Okay, just a little, right. little David Bowie, little David Bowie for everybody. Okay, all right. And uh, joining us as a special guest on the episode today, writer and moderator of the blog Feminist Fujoshi, Sarah Connor. Hello, it's nice to be introduced. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. That's part of the package deal when you come onto the episode. You get a, <laughs> a better introduction than any of the. <laughs> Yeah, and thank you very much for making the time to meet with us. You know, uh, I had a mistake last week where we got things wrong with the time zones, and uh, especially with us being on opposite sides of the continent. Man, that was hard for me to figure out. Really appreciate that. Yeah, it's no problem. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Just to get the episode started, to talk a little bit about Boys Love, not as an expert, but to just give the tiniest bit of background that we can kind of build a shared understanding on top of which, Sarah, you probably know better than me, but for folks listening, and please feel free to chime in, I'm going to talk a very small bit about the origins and about some of the search data that I found for Boys Love. Facts. This quick little excerpt from uh, Fanlore on Boys Love tells us a little bit what it is. In English, often abbreviated BL, written as BL, or uh, and then it has the uh, hiragana for Boisu Rabu. Uh, in Japanese, the manga and anime genre of fictional male homosexual romance created for a female audience, uh, used interchangeably with yaoi and shonen ai in English, but not in Japanese. That is what Fanlore gives us. Breaking order of the show just for a second, uh, last episode one of our guests actually had a question, which was, is there a distinction between yaoi and boys love, and why has the terminology changed? Sarah, are you able to shine some light on that? Because... Uh, for the longest time, we were just like, oh, that's Yaoi. And then one day it became boys love. And it's like, okay, what is this different? What's going on here? <laughs> I can actually shed a little, a little bit of light on that. So BL or boys love is actually a publishing term. That's 
sort of referring to original works that are published in Japanese. So like published manga, original creative works. So that's where Boy's Love came from, whereas Yaoi is uh, sort of a, not exactly an acronym, but like a mishmash of the phrase, uh, I'm not sure if I can remember it properly, which it sounds like from your introduction you encountered in your research, <laughs> uh, Yamanashi, um, Ochinashi, something. It's been a while. But just a Japanese phrase that translates to what we said at the beginning of the podcast, no peak, no fall, no meaning, which was sort of a playful way for BL fans to talk about uh, excessive shipping. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, it's mostly just that BL became more common once it started becoming like a genre of manga rather than fans creating doujinshi for Captain Tsubasa or like uh, Saint Seiya or whatever fans do. <laughs> <laughs> That actually dovetails kind of nicely into the data that I found for search data. So every episode we try to look at, you know, what is the trend? Is this getting more popular, less popular, whatever? And we use the big old shotgun of data that we have, which is Google. And uh, I looked up Google Trends data for Boys Love, and that wasn't the main topic. They usually have search terms and topics. Uh, and the topic was Yaoi, which is not super surprising. And based on that topic, interest in Yaoi is generally up. There was a wave of interest that appears to have started in 2011, kind of peaked around the summer of 2015, and then has been on a little bit of a decline ever since, but I think is still more positive than it started in 2004. I also found out the top 10 countries by search volume for Yaoi, and they are definitely not what I expected. Anyone want to guess what country searches for Yaoi the most? Ireland. Okay, G's got Ireland. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Poland. Poland. All right. Sarah, do you have any guesses? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe the United States. Maybe the Philippines. Okay. All right. Sarah, you are the most right. The top country is Thailand. Oh, okay. Part of the interesting part of this is I don't usually know the why. I just know the what. <laughs> and Thailand was top, followed by the Philippines. Hey. Chile, Vietnam, Bolivia, El Salvador, Mexico, Peru, Paraguay, and Russia. Surprising to me, none of those were Japan, none of those mm. were Canada, none of those were United States or China. Mm. None of the... A lot of Spanish-speaking countries. Yeah. And yeah. if I had more time, I'd be very interested in following through to see why that might be. If I had to guess, it might have something similar to do with why uh, K-pop was big in some parts of Latin America. Kind of like a different masculinity. masculinity. Oh, mm. Maybe. Speculation. Speculation. That's fair. Surprisingly, for this episode, uh, just due to my own personal circumstances, that was all that I was able to get for fandom facts for this week. But fortunately, we had no shortage of famous last words from last episode. As previously mentioned, Dan had asked, is there a distinction between Yaoi and Boys Love? We got that covered. So there you go, Dan. There's your question answered. Gee, did you, do we want to dive into yours? Sure. Sure, we can do that. Yeah. So on the previous episode, you had asked, is there a golden standard for this is the best boys love mega or is it getting better as time goes on by comparison? Well, that's a little bit complicated just because the genre, I think, has evolved so much over time. Hmm. So in the 1970s, around those parts, there was the year 24 group 
which is considered sort of like classic BL or like uh, the ancestor to BL, mm-hmm. where they wrote a lot of like very tragic, very melodramatic stories about beautiful young boys who were in love with each other. So there you get some works that are really well known in the fandom, uh, like The Song of the Wind in the Trees by uh, Takamiya Keiko, The Heart of Tomas uh, by Monohagio, and several other things. So there were a bunch of women involved in that group, but the most well-known ones in English are uh, Keiko Takamiya and Morohagio. I'm not sure if, if I'm getting the Japanese English name order right. Um, I always get them mixed up because <laughs> usually I talk about one in Japanese order and the other in English order. So mm. I apologize if I made a mistake there. Oh, that's okay. I'm definitely not the person to call you out on that. <laughs> <laughs> So those might be considered sort of your like uh, golden age BL, but I, I don't think that most people would really consider it like the golden age, especially when in recent years there's been so much BL and so much interesting BL produced. People are really like taking on the genre and playing with it in really interesting ways. We're seeing more artists explicitly represent gay characters rather than having it be too boys who are like, oh, I don't like, you know, I'm not gay. I don't like boys. Mm-hmm. Just, I just like you. You're special. <laughs> like Scarlett Berico's Jackass that got released by Sublime in English uh, that has an explicitly gay character. No Touching at All by, um, shoot, Yamada, Yamada, what was her first name? <laughs> uh, other fans will will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> If there are any, uh, you can Google it. You can Google it. I'm sure you can Google No Touching at All BL Manga and find the author's name. I'm just blinking right now. And I believe that has an explicitly gay character as well. Um, That was released a few years ago and brought over in English, I think, again, by Sublime. But maybe it was June. Uh, Details. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's exciting for me personally because I do identify as a lesbian and not to like jump way ahead, but there's been some argument about how BL treats gay men and gay sexuality, whether or not it's fetishizing or inappropriate or just like harmful. Personally, I feel that it's been getting better as time goes on. (laughs) Other people might disagree, but there's like a ton of BL manga and a very, very small fraction of it makes it over into the English language market. And so it's just kind of difficult to call it one way or the other. Yeah, that was my thought going into this. In a lot of different genres, there can be like, you know, a golden example of, oh, that was the best that it ever was or something like that. But it also has like a political and a social element to it as well, which obviously changes a lot as time goes on. So I was sort of curious to see how that came in. And yeah, I was like, what, there's like 30 BL manga. (laughs) Turns out I hadn't checked in a while. (laughs) There's quite a lot. (laughs) <laughs> I looked at a bunch of lists of people's favorites. There didn't seem to be any sort of concordance or anything like that. People seem to like Junjo Romantica a lot. <laughs> but I didn't, yeah, didn't come up with any, anything conclusive. Yeah, people definitely love Junjo Romantica. I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh. oh. Fun fact, since I didn't look up what that was, Junjo Romantica was the fourth most related topic when people looked up yaoi oh really uh mm-hmm. number one tumblr uh i guess that's not super surprising uh number two bara which i later learned is like if boys love is 
about homosexual relationships, but for a female audience, then Bara is for a gay male audience. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, mostly. mostly. Um, but Bara is, um, it means rose in Japanese. Okay. And it's like actually kind of a debated term that was used for gay men that kind of got like brought over without context into English. Oh, oh interesting. So in Japan, what we're talking about is usually called gay manga. So the author of My Brother's Husband, Togami Gengoro, is a very well-known author of gay manga. And then bara is what we oftentimes call it in English, um, but Japanese fans don't usually use that term. Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't know why, <laughs> why it's number two then, but it's up there. Uh, number three was Rule 34, and number four mm -hmm. was okay. Jinjo Romantica. So it was two very much hand in hand yeah. as far as uh, people <laughs> looking for things related to boys love and yaoi interesting since i have a narrow opening right now uh, my question <laughs> was how much boys love is sports manga which i do not know the answer to but i do know that it must be at least a little bit related because number five on that list was <laughs> a manga called kuroko's basketball <laughs> so no that's great kuroko's basketball yeah I, it sounds like well, you know know a little bit of something about that <laughs> it's not a boy's love ima is the thing it's a, a shonen sports manga it's general audience targeted at young boys but has a apparently a pretty big fujoshi following okay um do we need to define fujoshi it wouldn't hurt it was one of my questions that i was going to ask a little bit more later on uh, yeah. Okay. Go for it. Um, Own that. Since we're <laughs> since we're on the subject, um, so fujoshi is a Japanese term that refers to uh, female fans of boys' love. It's a play on a word that basically means like woman, but they changed the first kanji, uh, the character that you pronounce as fu, to the character for rotten. Um, so it translates to rotten girls. Um, <laughs> And it, it came about as like a playful, sort of like self-deprecating, self-mocking way for BL fans to refer to themselves. Do you know a lot of like North American boys love fans that refer to themselves as Fujoshi? Or are there other words that people tend to use? I don't necessarily. I think there are North American fans who would identify as Fujoshi. I think oftentimes they get a little bit of a bad rap. <laughs> people who explicitly identify as Fujoshi and who are not Japanese. Although, like, Japanese Fujoshi's reputation within Japan is, like, a whole other bag of bag mm. carrots. Um, that's not an expression. <laughs> that's okay. I have rabbits, so bags of <laughs> vegetables are totally normal. <laughs> it's a whole other ballgame. That's there an actual go. expression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, personally, I and sort of other maybe, like, LGBT fans of BL um, might not always have, like, the best initial reaction to BL fans who are like in the English speaking fandom and who will like explicitly refer to themselves as Fujoshi um, just because it's like uh, associated with kind of like a younger demographic um, and like, you know, maybe women who like aren't as um, sensitive <laughs> about um, gay issues and sort of like the complexity of what's going on with BL. I totally don't want to sound like a snob because like I, I love 
what BL is in all its like confusion and ridiculousness. Um, and I love women, <laughs> even when they're a little bit terrible. Um, but basically there are um, North American fans who might refer to themselves as Fujoshi, but I think oftentimes they can be in the minority, but it also just depends on like what kind of fan you are, what kind of fans you spend time with, and who you follow, what your social circles look like. Okay, that's yeah. fair. So it's less common in certain social circles, certain parts of the fandom, more common in others. Okay. Since I wasn't able to find any definitive information about my question, just anecdotally, do you find that a lot of boys' love is about different sports teams? I, I just assume that because... <laughs> It's like, well, if I wanted to write a story about a bunch of boys that were, like, interested in each other, you know, if they were on a sports team, that would give lots of opportunities for interactions. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anecdotally, uh, I don't see a lot of original BL manga okay. that are about sports. Sometimes you'll have, like, one character who is, like, playing a sport or, like, on a sports team or who, like, got injured and can't play anymore. And then you have, like, angst um, and, like, bonding that happens related to that. Um, but the link between sports and BL tends to be more from non-BL properties uh, where people will like ship the characters and like get very invested. So like all the big Shonen Jump series, Haikyuu, Kuroko no Basket. I mean, Captain Tsubasa is an older one, but that was really big. Yeah. So stories that are about sports teams where the boys are not in love with each other <laughs> canonically <laughs> tend to get a lot of bl fan attention and you get a lot of the shinji a lot of shipping a lot of that sort of play but actual original bl manga about sports teams in my very limited experience tends to be more rare okay i mean as is the case with most guests your limited experience is already dramatically more experience <laughs> than my own personal experiences so i really appreciate <laughs> even that anecdotal evidence <laughs> Z, you had asked, <laughs> did this genre emerge simply because folks saw these elements in other stories and wanted to make a quick buck, or was it about expressing themselves? Z, that was a loaded question that you asked. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I did not load up the gun and then proceed to shoot myself in the foot with it. That is the only kind of question Z asked in my, uh, <laughs> in my experience. Well, I already mentioned um, sort of the year 24 group. So I think that's a point in favor of self-expression. Um, there's a lot of really interesting theorizing about how these women who were creating sort of early BL manga, you know, before we had like boys love as a publishing term, were using sort of this image of like two boys in a romantic relationship to sort of think through gender and sexuality in a way that was like more distanced from women's experiences um, and maybe more safe, you know, without all that cultural baggage and in ways that were easier to imagine than maybe in a heterosexual relationship. There's also like the doujinshi side of how BL emerged, um, the yaoi side. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know that that was necessarily not uh, people trying to make a quick buck, um, but people do sell their doujinshi at comic <laughs> So, I mean, that might have been a part of it. It was certainly people seeing sort of homoerotic undertones in other series and wanting to like, play with that and explore that was absolutely part of how the genre um, came to be and 
for as long as art and creativity have been around, they have probably been monetized. Uh, well, art, mm. creativity, and uh, monetary systems, capitalism. <laughs> yeah, my limited day or two of research uh, turned up just about the same thing in an article by Mark J. McClelland. Uh, oh, he yeah. he yeah. kind of goes into a little bit of detail and it seems like BL sort of emerged in the 70s as kind of a grassroots thing. A bunch of the people who were reading the manga that was like being made by, I guess, the manga establishment of the time, which was predominantly male dominated, mm -hmm. were kind of fed up with these formulaic and contrived stories and thought that they could do a way better job of writing what they actually wanted to read. So mm -hmm. they did that. So the fact that it comes out of that kind of movement really suggests to me that it was more about expression than making a quick buck. I mean, later on down the line, you get things like June Magazine, where those people then, you know, took their doujinshi or took their like very basic ideas, art, stories, whatever, and actually got them published and then like went on to become fairly well-known, fairly successful mangaka. But at the beginning, it was all about expression. Later in the season, we're having a, a different guest. Um, I believe her name is Erica Friedman, who does something called Okazu. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I had the chance to hear her at Otakuthon, which is in Montreal. And it was really interesting because she was talking about the history of Yuri. And now I want to see how these two histories <laughs> like line up. Yeah. It was fascinating because it had nothing to do with manga. But uh, Ari had a question. Oh, oh that's right. I really like Love Live. Where are the boy bands? Are there I boy idols? Um, do either of you have enough context to tie that to this episode? I think what she meant was sort of in the same vein as your question, T. Like, over here in North America, boy bands are such a huge thing for sort of the same age demographic as BL is in Japan. So I think her question was, why aren't there boys love manga about boy bands, about pop idols? Or are there? <laughs> well, gosh, it, I think there are. <laughs> there are. No, there definitely are. Um, there are BL manga with idol characters. Also, there are idol shows, boy band idol shows. Um, I think we have like Idolish Seven. Um, we have like N Stars. I think a lot of my friends are into those. They're like Love Live. Often they'll be like mobile games, and then also like TV shows. I'm not like too well versed in like idol stuff, but there are definitely like um, boy idol anime which like play up the the Fujoshi paint, um, the boys making googly boy. eyes at each other, <laughs> um, and uh, there are definitely also BL manga with idol characters. Although I don't know about boy bands, mm. um, usually I see like one idol character, like a singular idol, more than boy bands. It's clearly because men just can't work together. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, boy idol groups do exist. They just apparently don't show up in women's romantic fantasies in this specific context. Interesting. We're at like, what, 80 episodes? Let's only go so far, guys, before it blows up in her face. <laughs> <laughs> I just like trying to piece together context. Like, what are you talking about? It's like. Is this about our fan fiction? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. The problem with NSYNC was that only one member was named Nick. We're fine. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. All right. That was all the famous last words that we had from last episode, which means quite a lot. Yeah, we did. That happens when we have two guests and a full (laughs) chat. Um, (laughs) That means that it is time to to get into the bigger discussion. I'm going to start us off with just like a, a little bit of question about your personal experiences, Sarah. What was it that got you into boys love? You know, you did something or saw something or something happened. You're like, I'm in and I can't get out. (laughs) well I think it was more gradual than now I'm in and I can't get out I'm pretty sure I initially got into it through anime in general and some of those shonen jump series where you make friends with people on the internet um, and they're all like shipping these boys in these sports anime and so you like go seek out fan fiction you go seek out doujinshi um, and then suddenly you're on an online pirating manga reader site and there's like, you know, um, this whole original story about like boys kissing each other. <laughs> so I started getting into anime probably in my early years of high school and sort of like it ebbed and flowed. And uh, I definitely was like hard into um, BL, uh, reading a lot of stuff on those aforementioned very skeevy um <laughs> online pirating sites just like reading a lot of stuff that was what we call scanlated mm-hmm. yeah mostly unlicensed stuff mostly stuff that fans had like brought over and translated themselves just like I, like i would i would read it uh at like at school <laughs> no shame <laughs> um <laughs> sort of that was where i sort of started out and then it just like gradually evolved into a little bit more of an academic interest, I guess, where I learned some stuff about like the history of it. I learned some stuff about the culture surrounding it, all these kind of things. That sounds like you dove like right into the deep end. Like, <laughs> like I, I feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I really enjoy this. But you're like, no, I want to understand this in its entirety. I want to not only consume it and like enjoy it, but also know why it is and what it is. Yeah. It took me like until college, probably um, four or five years um, to really get to that point of like really like wanting to learn everything about it and wanting to learn what it is, why it is, all the sort of different distinctions and the way it's evolved over the years but I mean like I'm a nerd and I like learning (laughs) I like discovering new things about the things that I love like we're similar like T I know I know you're that way as well like you want to like kind of dig in and understand it from from every angle once you're into something I do like that that's partly why I like doing this show because we get to meet people hear their experiences and usually learn more about the thing that we didn't know because oftentimes we're doing episodes like this one in particular and we don't have a lot of background like mm-hmm. it was funny when you mentioned like um my neighbor's husband because i'm really excited for the second volume to come out here in north america it's gonna happen this summer so i'm waiting for it to happen because that was a really interesting intersection of like you know this is not about a high school romance it's about you know this person who is in a, a homosexual relationship with another person and it's in japan and it's like sort of real life. I, I don't know if it's autobiographical or not, actually, but it, it's more realistic. And it's just interesting because they're experiences that I don't have. And I like, I want to know more about this. I want to like hear about these experiences as opposed to like reading my uh, high school life of a Fudanchi, which is like, okay, haha, it's funny because this guy likes Poisla. <laughs> it's significantly less serious, but it's also not 
as real. But it is interesting to dig in and learn more about these things. This podcast is good for that. Yay! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without putting too much of an emphasis on it, I guess, you mentioned that, you know, you're a fan of boys' love, and you're like, I'm reading this in class. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, no shame. It's like, you teacher catches you, you're like, you're reading this. But um, I was wondering how your interest in boys love plays out in real life because there's a lot of fandoms that people talk about like oh i'm a fan of star wars it's like cool you can definitely see folks like uh, star wars baseball caps like it's very (laughs) public and on display i'm wondering as a fan of bl like do you express it publicly and if so how do you do that personally i usually do not (laughs) if i encounter another anime fan in the wild it may come up but in terms of like having any clothing or like pins, stickers, that kind of thing um, that like publicly says like, hey, this is a thing I like. I do not in part because I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there is that. There are people who do. So there's both like the the merch aspect where you might like have a a sticker or a shirt or something like that. And then there's also, well, this gets into territory that not necessarily everyone thinks is ethical or comfortable, but there are people who will like ship random strangers on the street or like inanimate objects to be like less weird. I mean, (laughs) more weird, but less like questionably ethical. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So... This is um, something that like academic research has been done on in Japan, where I think Patrick Galbraith, um, a BL scholar, did some research on Japanese Fujoshi and released this essay where he like just hung out with and like talked to these three Fujoshi who were not as much into like the original published works or even necessarily shipping like characters in non-BL works, but were very, very excited about the potential for like yaoi or like bl in just like aspects of everyday life i think one example from the essay that he published was like uh they looked at like the great wave of kanagawa and were like this has yaoi potential like you know there's a there's a semi there's the wave is like a semi um the top and like you know it's like crashing into and penetrating the ocean (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness and like um yeah, things like that. You know, p- please forgive me if Patrick Galbraith ever sees this and like I got something wrong <laughs> there. It's been a while, but yeah, there's definitely like people who will sort of like take it to that extreme of play. Like a friend of mine for the paper that I did in college. So this was several years ago, but she would play this game called like AU Where. It's like uh, creating like this imaginary alternate universe where like. You know, maybe two random strangers who pass each other on the street, like, meet and fall in love. Or, like, (laughs) things like that. So, like, I don't personally go very far beyond the internet, usually, with my interest in BL. Well, farther than the internet and the academy. But there are definitely fans who do. (laughs) Interesting. One of the things that struck me immediately is something that I had thought about until I started doing the research was like the biggest appeal is like it's written by women mm-hmm. for women it's a woman's perspective of sexuality and like and i thought that was great like it's you know oh you know you know women would want would want to see two dudes obviously but like 
but the but like the the bigger drawing point is that it's written by a woman for women and and that's what makes the connection to it and that it is like sort of a, a canvas to to project ideas of sexuality on without removing it from being so personal and and, and so real from whoever is reading it and that they can insert themselves into the story i thought that was super cool yeah for sure i mean and i feel like i can't even find it now but like one of the articles that i was reading talked a lot about how first off apparently part of the reason why this genre written by women for women involves homosexual relationships between men is because like it was just easier probably from a social perspective cultural perspective to write about relationships and sexuality with boys and only boys rather than like a boy and a girl or two women because of the sort of i guess social expectations or cultural strictures placed on the female gender in japan Mm -hmm. that was really interesting to read about but one of the papers that i was reading particularly pointed out that you know the fact that these are stories about relationships and about sexuality featuring men it kind of makes the beautiful boys the the bishonen depicted into like a third gender not quite male not quite female but something like different that as sarah had said before is kind of like a safe place where because it is intended for school-aged girls like high school girls college college girls that kind of age demographic where they can like read these stories see these relationships play out however explicitly or not explicitly they might be and like not have to worry about the characters getting pregnant or not being marriageable or mm-hmm. like losing their virginity or anything like that because they're they're guys none of that is expected of a male in japanese culture and in the west as well to be honest mm-hmm. um so it's almost like to very very loosely paraphrase the article it gives readers like a phallic power allows them to gain the freedom to explore their own desire <laughs> I, I can hear you chuckling over there sarah <laughs> thoughts yeah i mean i i would definitely agree with that i do want to kind of i don't want to get too far into like um gender essentialism in terms of like you know there are some men who like can get pregnant um there are some oh, women yep. who can't. yes yeah um you know, all the, the, the phallic power is a pretty funny phrase. Um, but, like, talking about, like, you know, what narratives do we have in society? Mm-hmm. And, like, how are we engaging with those narratives? I think that's really where this sort of phenomenon came from. And I do want to emphasize, like, this is something that happens for a lot of reasons and has happened in some ways in the West, too. Like, slash shipping is huge. Yes. Um, fan fiction is huge. <laughs> I believe you guys did an episode on Slash maybe a long time ago. Um, maybe. It's okay if you imagined it. We can just pretend that's <laughs> a, Just pretend this maybe episode is in an maybe AU where that happened. Maybe I did. The Supernatural episode was pretty close. Oh, that's true. That's true. There we go. That's the connection. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, men dominate media pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. And women respond to that in their creative work. So it's definitely about like this sort of almost creating like this third gender, um, this like ambiguity mm-hmm. that like is able to allow for like a, a more uh, safe and like 
creative, I guess, like exploration of sexuality. And it's also just like, you know, oftentimes we like replicate or repeat what we see. And what we see in the media is mostly men. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm sure you guys will have like a really interesting discussion with Erica Friedman and like how um, it's really for the history of Yuri. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned both that and the third gender because I'm like, you guys both mentioned a third gender. I feel like I read something about this. <laughs> there was an exhibit at the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto, Ontario called The Third Gender, Beautiful Youths in, in Japanese Prints. Uh, which mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go to and completely forgot about until literally this podcast. <laughs> but it was talking about how male youths, they were called wakashu, mm-hmm. were like this particular role that fit into society where they were object of desire to both men and women. Mm-hmm. They would often like deny sex to men because they acknowledged that like men in that society had power. And by denying like sex from them, gave them the power to obtain the desires that they wanted because eventually they would become old and then they didn't have that power mm-hmm. but it was just like it was a really fascinating exhibit because not only did it talk about the role that gender plays in modern society but like it had a lot of history on japan and the different roles that men and women had and i wish i knew more about it because it'd be so relevant to this episode <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely an awesome point to bring up that sort of uh, cultural history um has absolutely like continued to influence Japanese media and BL especially. Because, you know, just like from a, a cursory comparison, we can see like uh, the wakashi and the bishonen. There's a, a long tradition of like the beautiful boy or like the youth in Japanese culture being like an object of desire, just like you were saying. So that legacy has definitely like a really big impact on BL fandom and the origins of BL and was probably a, a very big creative influence for early works like what we see with the year 24 group. I'm not curious like how far back it goes because in the, the talk about Yuri it was like these various systems led to like original magazines targeted girls and I wonder if there's like a parallel story where like magazines were published that were targeted at boys and then that started to get certain ideas that were already prominent in the culture that were like latched onto by those who were not like those in power, as you previously mentioned, like the women who mostly respond to media representations. Mm-hmm. But again, that's just speculation on a history that I don't know. <laughs> it's a solid foundation for any yeah. any sort of theoretical it's, system. That's how we do. Yeah. yeah. But I think you mentioned at a few points some interesting areas. What are some of the biggest areas of contention in boys love fandom it sounds like there might be a lot oh, <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm just i'm just curious <laughs> yes there's a lot <laughs> this is a, this is a, a big topic <laughs> so probably one of the biggest that i have sort of a personal interest in would be like the relationship of the genre to gay men and gay men's experiences uh, and like This is something that a lot of people have, like, a lot of really, like, complicated feelings about. There are definitely, like, some people, even, like, very well-respected scholars who will, like, dismiss BL as, like, you know, complete fetishization. And I don't want to be, like, unfair to their perspective because, like, it's not a genuine representation of gay men. And that's, like, ethically complicated when gay men are, like, a marginalized and persecuted community. In Japan and also like you know everywhere else so you know the counterpoint to that that we see 
is like, well, this is like something that has like a lot of value that can like destabilize sort of gender norms that can be like really beneficial in terms of like letting fans work through questions of sexuality. And then that raises questions of like, well, you know, is it fair to like use like the superficial image of like a marginalized group to like deal with your own problems, you know, especially when a lot of fans like don't really know any gay men in real life. You know, some BL fans can even be homophobic. Like that's, that's absolutely like, like a thing, you know, where, um, you know, it's fine in a fantasy world. It's, it's fine when it's like, you know, deliberately curated to like um, match up to what appeals to me. But when it's like a real life person, that's like a whole different deal. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's just like one of the most complicated and like sort of sticky issues that gets brought up and rehashed, you know, every several years in the fandom. I think, oh my gosh, when was it? I'm trying to remember, but there was like uh, in maybe the 90s, um, there was the Yaoi Ranso in Japan or like the Yaoi debate where BL fans, basically, I think like the editor of this BL magazine if I'm remembering this correctly, asked her gay male friend to like write in um, to her magazine with like his criticisms of BL to like write in specifically a critical perspective and to like start a discussion about that. And it continued for several years. A lot of different people responded to it. And there were like a, a lot of different emotions and different perspectives that came up about sort of like the genre's legitimacy, um, the genre's impact on like, you know, this marginalized group. And then like also, you know, the role it plays for women, another marginalized group. So like that happened like, a, I believe it was the 90s, but like, don't quote me on that in Japan. And that's like very well known as sort of like one of the, the most famous times this question was like sort of uh, discussed within the fandom. I think a lot of people leave out the fact that it was like solicited by a BL fan. Um, that this was a discussion that this woman wanted to happen, that it wasn't just like, you know, either like a gay man intruding on like a woman's fandom space or like uh, spontaneously responding to like a feeling of harm. It was specifically a discussion that fans like started and solicited and like wanted to bring up which I think is admirable, is also very painful. Um, I've been part of some of those discussions about, you know, is this legitimate? Is this ethical? You know, how does this affect gay men who are like very marginalized and very underrepresented when like this, uh, you know, huge industry is like built on like unrealistic images of their lives where fans will get very defensive and like shut down criticism and be like, you know, it's a fantasy. It doesn't have anything to do with real gay men. And like avoid being accountable. So yeah, it's very complicated. I think that's probably the big one. Let's see. Other than that, it's mostly like regular regular fandom stuff. You know, you get the shipping wars, you get the elitism. <laughs> uh, you get um, sort of like, oh, you know, this is good, but this is trash. Hmm. And like, <laughs> my favorite discussion yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and like all that kind of stuff <laughs> have you noticed that the shipping wars in boys love particularly are like more vicious than in other fandoms I would say it's probably the same 
because uh, I feel like shipping wars like distinctly tend to happen more with like sort of the the fan fiction doujinshi side of BL mm-hmm. fandom when you're talking about uh, media that doesn't already like canonically represent a gay romance or is not specifically BL. So you see a lot more shipping wars sort of like in individual fandoms of these media properties mm-hmm. where fans of a specific show will go at each other. Personally, I tend to see it less with fans of like original BL works. Yeah, I think just because like it already has sort of this set story. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get a love triangle, but um, on the whole, I think like the fandom is much smaller in the West. Series are much shorter. Like original BL series are like it, it's rare and kind of like lucky to get like a 13 season <laughs> anime show. Uh, a 13 episode. Oh. Excuse me season (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh most manga series will go on for like one or two volumes and even in the longer running series you usually get like sort of set couples um like the Junjo Romantica this is how it works where they have like several different couples that they follow through um a long period in their lives so there just tends to be less in terms of like um shipping arguments Mm. but uh yeah, I, I mean, to answer your question, I would mostly say it's the same. Okay. Uh, the level of, like, like vitriol and fans just, like, being uh, immature and mean to each other is probably about the same. <laughs> I mean, there's no shutting that down, right? There's no, like, trump no. card of, like, now you'll see that the ship that I like is the best one and then we can end this argument, <laughs> right? You'd, like, there's no way of doing it. So it's just going to go around in circles. There could be a... We don't need to have that, though. Yeah. It could be like, this ship is your ship. This ship is my <laughs> ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, agree to disagree. Potato, 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 potato. Exactly. <laughs> you're talking about the Yaoi debate, 92 to 97. Hmm. So it pretty much spans the 90s. And one of the interesting things was, like, because... A lot of the time, in BL, the characters who are romantically involved do not actually identify as gay. They're just in love with each other. And that way it like circumvents talking about talking about being gay in the world that they create and like what it's like for gay people. Because one of the big things is the is the all consuming love. <laughs> the pure love of this uh, coming up several times uh, in my research. The heart rending love. Yes, and the angst. Rended all your hearts immediately, I'm sorry. <laughs> All-consuming love, really? That's yeah, where they were going? That's, that's a pretty... I don't know if, like, what I was seeing wasn't necessarily all-consuming, but certainly pure. Like, it kind of goes back to the whole third gender thing, where it's not, like, it's... It's not to have kids. It's like, these two characters love each other so much, and I guess sexual feelings or sexual acts are like the way that that gets expressed like in a visual way if these were just plain old novels they'd probably have like whole chapters of internal monologue about the the intense purity of love Mm -hmm. but that doesn't really work in a visual medium like manga or anime i mean in manga you still get a lot of internal monologue but (laughs) yeah no absolutely and i think the idea that these uh characters love each other even when there's like no social benefit Mm -hmm. 
you know, where they can't like um, procreate, um, pass down property to children, do all these kinds of things. And also they often have to like actively go against society. So creators will both sort of uh, like, you know, nicely circumvent, avoid ever talking about homophobia, but also like use it as sort of like um, a very generic background in order to like emphasize how like pure and intense and true the love of these characters is for each other. Right. Because even if they just glance against the, the topic of homophobia, it's like we have to do this in secret. It's like, that's why our love is so good, because like we're doing this even though we don't have to we're putting ourselves at risk we're putting ourselves in harm's way because i love you so much (laughs) so much love (laughs) yeah i guess that's true Mm -hmm. i had like a brief moment it's like so we have yaoi or or boys love we have homosexual relationships between men written by women for women we have yuri which is written by women for women from my understanding <laughs> and i was like is there a category for men and i'm like ah yes that's everything so let's like never mind that line of discussion does not need to be followed we got this covered everyone yes um, but it was just interesting because you have these two genres which are like so similar but so different and yet the, mar- the target market is the same which i hadn't thought of before until this moment either yeah similar themes too um, but that's that's a topic for a different day. Mm-hmm. I'm personally just curious. What would you say is probably your favorite BL manga or anime, I guess? My favorite, huh? <laughs> that's a hard question. Okay, we can always come back <laughs> There's to There's a that. lot. There's a we lot come out back. there. You can let the um, gears turn. I guess um, maybe naming off some of the top ones. So no touching at all, the one that I mentioned before um, by, by Yamada. Oof, I still can't remember her first name. But that one, um, it follows two salary men. Um, one of them is like explicitly gay, um, and it focuses, I think, with very, very moving um, visual storytelling on sort of the internal conflict between like this guy who had to like leave his last job because he was in a relationship with a coworker who then, um, yeah, basically the guy he was with broke up with him, treated him very badly, um, like outed him at work or something and like blamed their entire relationship on him rather than it being like a mutual thing. Um, And so then he like meets and falls in love with this other guy who I think is his supervisor at his new job, which is like a little, but it's very sweet. They have a very good relationship. There's a lot of inks. The author is a very excellent visual storyteller. And I think it deals like pretty sensitively with like, what it's like to be gay in Japan and like sort of what are some of the concerns that come up with that in so far as it's like you know it creates like a compelling romantic story at least I think it's very good I really like it another one I like is Dogs and Swallows by Giro Amagakure so he also wrote one that a lot of people follow I think called Sweetness and Lightning which is kind of like about a single dad um, and it's very cute And this one is about two teenage boys, but it also deals with, like, themes of grief. Um, It deals with, like, accepting gender nonconformity or, like, just gender nonconformity in general and, like, identity. Yeah, and sort of, like, um, I think it's cool to, like, see a BL manga where, like, the main character has, like, this whole arc that's, like, tied to the romance but isn't, like, exclusive to it Mm. where he has to, like, grieve his dead brother and like find closure and like accept who he is 
and it's it's very good. I like it. And then uh, I already mentioned Jackass by Scarlet Berico. I think that one's just really fun. She has a really good sense of humor, and her art is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those stories that's just like very fun and very sexy. Kind of a feel good story. There's definitely like also some angst. So those are probably some of my favorites. One that I just want to like give a, a shout out to is like um, my darling kitten hair, which is by the manga artist who also made Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. That one follows like sort of an established couple, um, and they have cats, and it's cute. Yeah, I haven't read that whole story personally. But I've heard a lot of good things, and I uh, really like the artist. So that's another one that I would like say is an excellent example. As you were mentioning them, I'm like, oh, on your blog, you have this ever-growing list of 100% consensual BL manga. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> how many of our, are these titles are on that list? Oh, um... And... <laughs> Definitely um, no touching allowed. Yeah, that one is. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a big problem in um, boys' love manga is the romances and the sex scenes are not always consensual. So that creates a lot of friction. Um, That's probably something I should have mentioned when we were talking about sort of like areas of contention in the fandom. The lack of consent (laughs) is a big one. There's like some interesting scholarship around it and sort of like the purpose it's serving on like a theoretical sort of sociological level. But it just, you know, for a lot of fans, it just really sucks to read. It's very frustrating. It's very like discouraging. It can be triggering. Yeah. So in terms of how many of my favorites are on that list, I think Jackass and Dogs and Swallows have, well... Dogs and Swallows um, does not have a sex scene. Um, I only include manga on the list that have like some sort of sexual encounter in the story. Jackass, I can't remember if it's on there or not. It doesn't have anything too out there or like too. I'm trying to like phrase this somewhat delicately, <laughs> um, but like no one gets raped. But I'm not sure that every encounter is like 100% respectful and consensual. Yeah, and then My Darling Kitten Hair is one that I haven't read in full, and so I, I can't uh, add it to the list. Yeah, that had been something that I'd come across, particularly in the McClelland ar- article, which was a legal article, really at heart, <laughs> because it was about like laws potentially being passed in Australia that would basically make boys love manga illegal, something to that to that nature, because it seems like that's something that outside of japan is a thing that a lot well not a lot of but like some boys love kind of runs up against various child protection laws because of the way that things are depicted or like the way the characters are depicted and that sort of thing but it seems like one of those one of those cases where everybody in the fandom is like aware of the and again this this just adds another layer of complication to the whole representation of the minority group discussion that we were having earlier yeah. but like a lot of people in the fandom realize it's fantasy people outside the fandom don't realize it's fantasy so much they're, they're like uh you're you're promoting these terrible views and ideas about minors people inside the fandom are like no we're really not and like yeah yeah very 
contentious element for sure. Yeah. Pornography laws um, and obscenity laws um, are a big uh, thing that BL can run up against internationally. And I mean, that's, that's complicated. Yeah. And then um, in terms of like the fantasy or, or like, uh, I guess like internal perceptions versus outside perceptions Mm -hmm. and like the role that fantasy plays in those perceptions. That's another thing that's very complicated because Fantasy is important. Exploring sexuality in a safe way is important, but it's also like important to, it, you know, everything is important. Um, yeah. <laughs> like think critically about what values I think fantasy is based on, you know, what sort of um, social ills might be like coming back up in our fantasies um, just because like we live in a really imperfect world. And when we put our fantasies out there into like this um, huge commercial genre, you know, that people are like making a living off of. It's not like fan fiction where people are like doing it for free. It's a commercial genre. You know, people are making money off of this. Um, So it is a fantasy, but it's also uh, an artistic and a, a commercial phenomenon. And I think as such, criticism is important. You know, good faith criticism is nice. Yeah. Um, not like, uh, you know, assuming the worst <laughs> and like negating any potential value that mm-hmm. something you're critiquing has. I think that's always like a welcome thing. But like, just because something is a, a fantasy or just because something isn't supposed to be real or realistic doesn't mean that it can't have effect on society or be reflecting harmful things about society. That's my, that's my two cents. Yeah. I would just add, and I mean, talking about all this legal stuff, I feel it necessary to say (laughs) I am in, I am in no way at all a lawyer. I've never studied law. I've never even finished a Phoenix Wright game before. So (laughs) not a lawyer. But I did find it interesting in that McClelland article, like, because, you know, all these questions about, like, obscenity laws, pornography laws and all that, you think, well, okay, it's it's a big problem internationally. Why isn't it a problem in Japan? And according to that article, one of the reasons why is because Japan's pornography laws and such are, like, very, very restrictive, but also mm-hmm. very, very specific. Yeah. So, like... They'll censor genitalia, but they won't censor the context in which it appears. Yeah. So, like, they'll, you could get a panel of two boys, like, in the middle of whatever sexual act they might be doing. And, like, you can see everything except whatever genitalia might be visible or, like, blurred out. Yeah. And body hair. Yeah. Another one. Body hair? Yeah. <laughs> which, you know... Like anywhere else, if somebody tried to publish something like that as an original work in the States without, you know, whatever licenses or whatever, like basically if Boys Love had become a thing in North America, those pages would just be torn out. Like they would just never see the printing press. And like I found that really interesting, just like that is an element of Japanese culture, I guess, legal culture, maybe that sort of allows for Boys Love to be a thing. I don't know. It's. It's kind of a weird little legal intricacy that is really, really fascinating. It is really interesting. It's not something I know a whole lot about, but definitely, like, I think uh, people have referred to the censoring of genitalia as, like, you know, you get cones of light, you get lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
instead yep. of actual dicks. <laughs> yep. um, Everyone's got their favorite. Yeah. yeah. When things get localized or scanlated, sometimes they'll get uncensored or like redrawn. <laughs> Um, which is interesting to me. Interesting. Yeah. I think there might be like a slight controversy about that, about like changing the artist's original artwork. Yeah. I would be kind of interested to know who within the company is responsible for that. Like, you know, who is, who is taking sort of the master copy aside and like redrawing things in if they've been turned into lightsabers or cones <laughs> of lights. <laughs> is there just like a dick drawing guy or, or girl or like dick drawing person i mean <laughs> i could not tell you with absolute certainty but it, it might be the same people who do um the lettering uh... oftentimes you'll get lettering or sound effects that are outside of speech bubbles in manga yes. so you have to like redraw the art um in order to make it work in japanese so it, it might be like you know, people who have like some art skills working on localization and translation. Um, and then they also get saddled with the additional job of <laughs> redrawing dicks. I'm sure they do a much better job than this. But the first thing I thought of was um, Mr. Bean in the Mr. Bean movie where he accidentally erases <laughs> Whistler's mother and he draws like an awful little cartoon <laughs> instead. A cartoon smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Or that classic fresco of Jesus. Yeah. That's, you know, somebody restored it. <laughs> All right. I've got a, another question here. Earlier in the in the chat, he was kind of, you know, musing about like Yaoi is uh by women for women women, Yuri's by women for women, you know, and then he got into like how the media is predominantly male. And part of that is that like a lot of the media that you see male characters are like stoic stony-faced emotionless beings that just like power through everything uh gonna get it done whatever but one of the things that kept coming up uh when i was doing the research for boys love for what we're talking about right now was that one of the things that appealed to a lot of people was the vulnerability of the characters and I'm just wondering for yourself, to what extent uh, does that vulnerability appeal to you, if at all? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it is part of the appeal. There are a lot of different forms of masculinity, and there are a lot of different forms of hypermasculinity. <laughs> so, like uh, in general, you know, the the stoic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. hyper-masculine, uh, unemotional, or like, um, you know, the only emotion he expresses is anger. You know, that kind of male character definitely doesn't really appeal to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like my stories to have a lot of feelings. <laughs> I enjoy stories that are very emotional, where the characters have a lot of emotions and it gives the reader a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is part of the appeal. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Yeah, I think the different types of masculinity are like the more maybe like subversive, sensitive masculinity that you can see in VL uh, can definitely be part of the appeal. I think there's like a lot of a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily like the first thing that appeals to me, but I would say that it's probably fair to say that it's a part. All right. Let's move on to the verdict, which is our little chance to have any closing thoughts that we have. I mean, 
I say that, and then usually people introduce new points, so what do I know? But that's the intent, whether or not we follow it. G, I'm going to pick on you, because I pick on Z all the rest of the time. Just like Z is the other Nick. Well, <laughs> the remaining Nick. The remainder. The remainder. Yeah, the, remain, the remainder of the Nick. the remaining Nick. I don't... Yeah, I don't like to think of it necessarily as introducing new information, but more introducing personal information. That's true. That's true. Yeah? All right. Yep. I'm going to start with, I think I'm in. When I was hmm, 14, 15, I'll say, 15, 16, somewhere in there, a little bit into my anime and manga journey. I don't know how this is regarded now. I just remember it as an isolated part of my life. But gravitation hit me like a lightning bolt when I watched it. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh my god, what what is this? I love this. And I didn't get too much into it after that. I watched a couple other things, didn't really go too much further. But anyway, it was like, it was like incredible. I, I enjoyed watching it. It was, it was a little bit titillating. But it was like, like, as we were talking about, I liked the portrayal of like non-super masculine dudes and everything like that. I enjoyed the vulnerability of the characters. I, I like, I was definitely identifying a lot being like a similar age some of the characters feeling a bunch of emotions at the same time so i enjoyed that but i haven't really had the chance like i kind of went away from anime and then like have come back but so then i haven't really engaged in any bl stuff as like art and i think i'd really enjoy doing that from the sounds of everything here so it's very much an an undiscovered country for me but uh, i think i'm in see gravitation there's another one about idols yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) oh we should have uh well, Ari, if you're listening, uh, you should watch Gravitation. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's very bad, but it's about uh, it's about idols. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's totally one of the big uh, gateway BL anime. <laughs> you have oh. Gravitation, Juju Romantica. Um, yeah, like fake, fake is good. Yeah, I loved it so much. But as I said, that was that was quite a while ago. Tastes have changed, and also my tastes have changed. I'm sure I don't. I'm not gonna get any get as much out of it this time, but like I, I loved it when it came out. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Should I drop my mic? <laughs> Should you drop your mic? <laughs> Never <laughs> drop the mic. I can't. I can't now. Yeah. Okay. I will go next. I, I, I was desperately scrambling for time, trying to see if I could like filter my anime and manga on my anime list to mm-hmm. see what I'd already seen so I could say how much more in or out that I am. And I'm like, oh, I secretly didn't know that I already had seen all these things, but I wasn't able to do that. So instead, I will just say, yeah, I'm I'm in. I just like reading interesting stories. And Sarah, when you mentioned like, I want to read things that have all these different feelings and make me feel feelings. I'm like, yeah, those are the kinds of stories that I like. Admittedly, I read a bunch of like shonen stuff. It's not boys love, but I read Complex Age recently, which is about a a young woman who's growing up and cosplaying and deciding if she wants to do that for the rest of her life uh, and how that impacts your life. There's a lot of feels, even though I'm not a woman, even though I'm not really a cosplayer, but just like I wanted more of that. There's another manga called My Lesbian Experiences with Loneliness, and that hits me in the feel hard. (laughs) Again, not boys love. But if there are lots of BL manga that are like that, then I want to read those. Because they sound exciting. Because I want to feel things. <laughs> if you're not reading something and feeling something, why are you reading it? What are you doing? Learning the definition of a word. 
I mean, okay, fine. You're reading nonfiction. But yes, point to Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm reading about this prime minister and our president. It's like, well, they better well make you feel like something. Because otherwise... Alexander Hamilton does now. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what? I wonder if anybody's done that. I wonder if there's some really exciting BL about Alexander Hamilton. I don't know. There's absolutely slash fiction. Oh, oh, There's absolutely sure. fiction. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? I will make maybe, a note. Maybe I'll start of there. That. that seems like a bad spot to start. I'll, I'll find somewhere else to start. <laughs> and also, what G had mentioned with gravitation, I really enjoyed that as well because G got into it and he's like, "Oh, you guys should check this out." And it's like, "I'm digging this music. I don't know about everything else, but this is." They played the one fun. friggin' song like yeah. like yeah. every single episode. The, like the rage else. beat. The rage beat. It. Yeah, it was all over the place. Yep. I'm interested in reading more BL, and I think after hearing Sarah mention some, I have no shortage of things to check out. Mm-hmm. Let's go with Z, and then we can ask Sarah. Sure, sure. I kind of feel like I'm standing at the door. Like I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm out, but I kind of feel like I'm standing at the door to 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 boys love, and like you know, I'm kind of contemplating maybe there's a window in in that door over the over where the knob is and contemplating that window when i was in university there's a comics shop downtown of the dragon hmm. and like half the store at the time and i i think still now there's pretty much just manga so often what i would do is i would like you know wander in look around see what looked cool to me just based on the cover art because I, I never really thought to look stuff up beforehand or but like whatever looked cool, I would grab, you know, I would bring it up to the counter, buy it, give it a read. If I enjoyed it, I'd come back, get more. I have no idea at this point what the series was called, anything like that. But there was a series that I had started, and I started it because the art looked really cool. It looked kind of like Art Nouveau a little bit, but like with a little bit more of a painterly kind of maybe impressionistic sort of feel to it. Anyway. And it was like this fantasy story that was entirely boys' love. At the time, I had no idea what boys' love was. And, like, I guess maybe I just wasn't wasn't ready for it. Or, like, was much like people who read a lot of romance and erotica on their e-readers rather than, like, carrying around the books. Just was kind of embarrassed about it or, like, shy about it. But I feel kind of like I'm interested in seeing what's there, seeing what's... What's up with this genre of vulnerability and whatnot? And particularly, I was spurred to this decision by a, a post of all places on Reddit. The boys love Reddit, where the post is asking, you know, a lot of boys love, it's just like stories are flat and characters don't have any development or whatever. I don't know if this person is just not reading a whole lot of boys love or like reading the wrong ones. But anyway... They were asking, you know, are there any that have like really rich, deep story and interesting character arcs? And a lot of the things got posted. The series Oku. Oh, O-K-U. I have that. Yeah. Exactly. It's so good. Exactly. Yeah. And I saw that as kind of like a crossover with the shoujo app since Boys Love is a subgenre of shoujo. And then there were some other series mentioned, and like one in particular about like ancient china ancient japan kind of caught my interest called sword and mist so i'll maybe give uko a try and check out that sword and mist thing as well see what's up there because i feel like that history angle is probably gonna get me in alternate history 
alternate history, regular history. It's got that history there. I'll probably <laughs> get pulled through that door while I'm contemplating the window. It's a good okay, cool. <laughs> I wish I wrote that down. It's gone forever now. Oh, well. <laughs> Recorded forever, but also gone forever. Sarah, how about you? Well, I'm glad that uh, you all seem to be like curious uh, and excited about the genre. I would say Nick Z. But the person said on Reddit about a lot of VL stories being like fairly flat uh, is mostly true. Okay. Um, there are some real gems, but a lot of it is just romance. It's like very yeah. fluffy, very inconsequential. You know, it might make you feel a thing, um, but it also might just be like a little bit boring. What mm-hmm. might be more encouraging to hear is that there is definitely quite a bit of historical BL. There is BL about samurai, BL set in like the Edo period or like um, medieval, I guess, Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also BL <laughs> set in like uh, the exotic land of Europe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you get like, um, you know, uh, lords and their butlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, Sublime is releasing Blue Morning right now, um, which is sort of that theme. Um, so it has like a little bit of politics. Yeah, I think it that might actually be set in Japan, but it's like this lord and like his butler, and they have like this very complicated relationship since childhood. Might be a little too deep. Might be a little too like uh, people, you know, not respecting boundaries, having like complicated emotional relationships. But yeah, I think Clamp, uh, maybe not like technically BL, but like definitely shoujo with like homoerotic themes. They did quite a bit of that. That might be another great place to start. And, you know, maybe stuff that's like light on the explicit content and heavier on plot would be something to look for as sort of an introductory Mm -hmm. uh, text. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the stuff that's like easily accessible, like anime, Love Stage is pretty cute. We definitely have some issues with boundaries (laughs) and with, um, you know, uh, respecting other people's, you know, requests and wishes, unfortunately. But it's got like some cross-dressing, it's got some, you know, child actors reunited uh, now that they're grown up, like mistaken identity. There's a lot going on and it's it's pretty all right. And that's like easily available for streaming. You don't even have to like invest in a manga, you can just go on Crunchyroll. Yeah, um, I think maybe the last, maybe this isn't like the best one to end on, but I just really <laughs> want to mention. Sure. There is a, a BL convention. For anyone who is not aware, YaoiCon, which goes on in the United States, and there's something called Yaoi Paddles. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, I can't, I'm surprised we went the whole episode without was, mentioning that. This was brought up but, when yeah. we were talking about it last week, yeah. I definitely should have yeah. brought it up when we were talking about controversial things. But it was more of a thing in the mid-2000s. Thankfully, they're not really around anymore. But BL fans would have, like, um, wooden paddles, and I think they would write, like, seme and uke on them, and they would, like, spank other people with them. They would, like, run around and hit other people with these wooden paddles. And it was, like, yeah, I don't know. Phantom is a very weird place. <laughs> like, where else is something like that going to happen? I don't remember a lot of actual spanking, but I feel like I remember seeing people with those around at, like, Anime North or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Yowie, BDSM, those are all the same. <laughs> thing, oh, <right>? yeah. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to regret saying that. Yep. Yeah. But I guess as like a note to end on, I think it's a really complex genre with a really rich history. And so like, you know, there's probably something for everyone. Um, you might have to dig a while to find it, especially if you're not into like the sort of lighter, you know, less consequential or plot heavy romance stories. But like, there are a ton of modern artists doing like some really interesting stuff. You've got Basho, you've got Scarlet Berico, you've got Yamada. Yamada is such a common name that's not going to help at all. But the author of No Touching It All does a lot of good work. You've got um, Harada telling really like f***ed up stories about f***ed up people. But actually, like for the most part, not treating it as like romantic or desirable, um, which is interesting and I think kind of cool to see as like a new exploration of the genre. I would definitely be excited if like people learned something about BL um, and decided to maybe like explore the genre a little bit based on this podcast. And I'm very thankful that you guys invited me on to talk. Oh, we're really happy to have you. I'm going to take us to the next segment, which is fortunately not very long and ties into something that you had mentioned, Sarah, even though I didn't know it did when I came up with it. So the spotlight is the part of the show where we usually shine the light on either a cool fanish cause or a charity or something related to the week's episode, usually. And this week is no exception. In fact, if you are listening to this podcast as it was released, and you happen to be in Toronto, you could be attending a convention that is related to Yowie because it is Yowie North. Hey. Yowie North, originally created in 2004 by Bishonen, Hidato, and uh, Griven. After a discussion Anime North's 2004 Yaoi panel about the need for an East Coast version of YaoiCon, a few months later, the two approached the staff with the idea of Yaoi North, a one-room event inside Anime North, similar to uh, another event held at Anime North. They have a, a J-Rock set of programming. They were given the go-ahead, and from there, Yaoi North was born. There's some other details about that, but if you're interested in that, you can check out yaoinorth.com, and because that's a Japanese word I will spell it out, yaoinorth.com. If you're listening to this, it's too late. No. It's too late. It's already fast. Or you're already there. I don't know which. <laughs> you are on your way, I think. Yeah. 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 It's a three-day event. You know, maybe you're just showing up for the Saturday or the Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So so Friday. So you're there, right? You're, you're, you're flying. You're, you're in your car. You're driving. You're getting ready for it. <laughs> yeah. If you miss it this year, it happens every year as part of uh, Anime North's main festivities. Every... Pretty much the last weekend in May, I would say. Mm-hmm. But if not, I found out that YaoiCon happens in the other end of the year, in like October-ish. You can bookend your summer with Yaoi conventions. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, would you like to tell us about Feminist Fujoshi and where people can find you on the internet? Yes, I would love to. So I started Feminist Fujoshi initially when I was in high school and have been running it for several years now. Um, I do not update very frequently, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm trying to be a little bit better about that, but I am a perfectionist and I take a very long time to write. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I'll be linking to this podcast on the blog. I'll be uh, promoting some other stuff there as well. I have an article coming out for Anime Feminist um, about a classic shoujo manga called Fruits Basket. I'm sure some of you have heard Uh of it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. It'll probably be a few weeks. 
and we're just putting the finishing touches on it now. Feminist Fujoshi runs on Tumblr and on WordPress, so feministfujoshi.tumblr.com and feministfujoshi.wordpress.com. You can also find me on Twitter at BlueSocket, um, B-L-U-S-O-C-K-E-T. That is where I update most frequently. I just uh, retweet stuff about anime and talk about my feelings about boys love and all other things. <laughs> my pinned tweet is also um, a Discord server where you can talk to me about BL or about like um, LGBT anime and manga or just like whatever you want. So feel free to join that if you're listening and if this topic has sparked an interest in you or rekindled an already existing interest. Um, <laughs> yeah, so again, Tumblr, WordPress, Twitter, Feminist Fujoshi, and BLU Socket. Thank you guys so much. Oh yeah, our pleasure. No worries. This podcast is, of course, Fanthropological. Talking about dissecting a different fandom every week. You can find it all over at Fanthropological.com and any reputable podcatcher should have our podcast in it so please hit the subscribe button you'll get a brand new episode every friday and uh, while you're there please leave a rating and review this podcast is fanthropological but the three of us are the nix cast and you can find us on the internet at at the next cast on twitter youtube instagram facebook and vero i guess <laughs> yeah and if you have a topic that you'd like to uh listen to us cover on the show please email us nick at the that's right and if you're listening to this in podcast form, well, why not contemplate a window yourself and come on over to twitch.tv slash the Nixcast, where we record these things live and have them streaming so you can come and watch us record podcasts. But more than that, you can come over to twitch.tv slash the Nixcast, watch us record these podcasts, and jump into chat where you can chat with your fellow chat members ask us questions during the show just get us to you know get us to give our opinions on all sorts of crazy stuff in the middle of the show because that's what we're here for but more than that you can also in that chat at twitch.tv slash the nixcast while we're recording these things live you can throw your hat into the ring and Join us in one of the most popular features of the show, the famous last words. Oh, oh, <laughs> I never think we're going to get there. I'm always as he had mentioned, famous last words. Uh, we do that about next week's episode and next week we We'll release an episode. It just won't be a live episode. It'll probably be something that we recorded at Anime North, so I can't reveal what it is because I don't know what it is just yet. <laughs> but it'll be something. Revealed in the fullness of time. Yeah. When we come back, we will have a special guest, uh, Emily Gonsalves, who runs a convention called Pretty Heroes, which takes place in Toronto. It used to be the Sailor Moon celebration, but has now expanded to be more about strong female characters in general. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about like strong female heroes, probably from like the 90s to 2000s, but also just like in general. A little bit of overlap with some other things that we covered, but I think it has the potential for a really cool episode. And question to everybody is like, what are your famous last words? Things that you'd like us to, to research 
or questions you'd like to ask Emily or stupid things that we're going to have <laughs> recorded for posterity, not looking at anyone in particular, Z. Uh, whoops. Yes. <laughs> Throwing shade, uh, a family tradition. Uh, yep. That's how we do. Yep. Who was the first? It was the first pretty hero. Yeah. Utica. Next question. What? <laughs> <laughs> After this episode, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to grab my book of of like of female princesses, and I'll be like, which historical figure was older? And go back in history, and I'm going to show you some things. But yeah, that's my question that I'm going to look up. All right, continuing my streak of doozies, but oh, kind of goodness. kind of turning it down just a little little bit. Who was the more popular female hero of the '90s? Xena Warrior Princess or Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Okay, I'm interested in knowing that too. G or Sarah? My question is, because it was weirdly the first character that I thought of when I heard Pretty Heroes. Where does Lena Inverse sit in the world of Pretty Heroes in the roster? Man, I'm going to be tuning into this episode for sure yeah. now. You might even be there, right? I mean, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> that just leaves you, Sarah. It doesn't have to be a big world-shattering consequence. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I think Mattered Girls are really fascinating, especially the way they can be kind of, I guess, an empowerment fantasy for young girls, where, like, you know, through the power of love and friendship, you can fight evil. So I guess a question I think would be interesting to answer is, how do people feel about Magical Girls? And what are some of the discussions around that? I'm also interested in seeing what Emily in particular has to say about that. Cool. That is it for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us, Sarah. I know it's starting to get late on on West Coast time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we really appreciate you toiling away in the evening, answering our uh, asinine Mm -hmm. questions. No, answering our questions about uh, a genre that we are not intimately familiar with. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Until next time. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.